Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. As well. Now, I have uh, said over the last couple of hours that uh, we're going to have a chat now with someone uh, who has, uh, unfortunately for him, a direct personal experience of the emergency department and the circumstances uh, there uh, over the last few months at UHL in Dura Doyle. Um, and let's just remind ourselves of what a big issue this is for so many of you listening. That's why we're here, because we want to be able to go to hospital when we're sick basically. I was born and bred in Limerick and in the 80s when we were very poor, we had mobile phones, we had nothing, but we had beds in the hospitals. First and foremost, I want to say I'm here to support the frontline staff. They have been struggling, not alone this year, not alone last year, but for the last 14, 15 years, you know. And they're getting the blame. There is, whether it's the management in the hospital, I don't know. But definitely, I think the government has a lot to answer for. Right, listeners who turned up at a recent protest uh, about uh, the emergency department facilities, the beds that are required and all of that. And we know on an almost daily basis from Live 95 News that the numbers on trolleys in the emergency department and up through the wards are very significant um, in Limerick and have been for quite a long time now. Um, and Donal O'Brien, who has com- campaigned around this himself actually uh, over the years, is with me in the studio right now. Good morning to you Donal, you're very welcome to the studio. Good morning Joe. Um, first of all uh, how are you, what are the circumstances uh, that you found yourself in the emergency department on a number of occasions in recent months Donal? I suppose I'm pretty good at the moment uh, I suppose people that know me I suppose um, I suppose I finish up getting I suppose pancreatic cancer there about nine months ago. Um, look at I wasn't surprised really because I suppose every second household uh, it appears to be people talk about cancer. Um, I suppose there's something like the coronavirus. I suppose this, this cancer nearly is worse than the coronavirus. But um, look at um, went through all the treatment, chemo and radiotherapy, and went through the, the operations. People noted the Whipple's operations. It's a tough major operation there on the 8th of January. Came out the other side of it. So um, look at things are looking pretty good at the moment. I've got the odd clear at the moment now. So it is every three months. Look at I was one of the lucky ones. Uh, lucky so far. Uh, thankful to a lot of people who, I suppose, I'm not a very religious person, but a lot of people who said prayers for me, lit candles, send cards. I'm just like to thank all of those, like really like when I get the chance now, like, um, but I'm out the other side of it and improving every day, like I'm in, in a positive attitude. Good. That's good to hear, uh, Donald. Um, but you do point out there that any of us can find ourselves in the emergency department at UHL in Dora Doyle or any of the other emergency departments around the country very quickly. One day you could be fine, the next day you might find yourself in there. Yeah, it's unfortunate to give me that. Um, and look, at I suppose it's great to have these hospitals. Look, at I don't want to criticise the hospitals in total, like really. Um, we've great nurses, doctors and even management at ward level. You know what I mean? They're very good to work. But I suppose, unfortunately, we finish up inside in these emergency departments and unfortunately, over time, um, bids haven't been provided, we'll say, um, up the wards. So there is a backlog in the emergency departments and we have a serious situation. Paint a picture for me then of the emergency department at UHL from your experience and your observations recently. I suppose if we look at the new um, emergency department when you go in there, it looks lovely. Like uh, you come in onto the reception area, it looks beautiful. It's like almost like a hotel. You're going on to the different areas. When you go down into the three zones, that's where you see the chaos down there. 
and you're more than likely going to finish up on a trolley on the wall on, on, on down along the corridors. Is that what happened to you? Exactly, that's what happened to me. Now, look, I don't want to complain. I was happy enough to be on a trolley. I suppose at my age, I'm 62 years of age. I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm used to it, like being a farmer, a builder, I suppose, like I'm mean, used to the tough life. Made no difference to me sitting on a trolley. But I suppose the PTI I had was on, on the elderly people that were on trolleys, really, like I mean. Um, the situation was there was trolleys on both sides of the corridor. That's where I saw I was wrong. And then if somebody needed to be go for an x-ray or a scan, um, they had to move the trolleys into the isolation walls, which were off of the corridor, in order to get the, the, your trolley, get the other trolley down or to get a wheelchair down between both. And that's what I saw as a serious situation. Really and truly, it was a fire hazard, really. Like Now, I know the fire department have been out there, the fire officer has been out there. They have breached the numbers out there. But I don't blame Colette Cowan will say when she came out and stated, what am I supposed to do? She's right. Am I supposed to come along and say, when we get to the numbers, we now stop people coming in? So she has a, a very awkward situation. I don't blame her, like I mean, because... And it is worth pointing out that private hospitals, even those that run emergency departments for part of a 24-hour day, can close their doors. That's the point, that they get to a certain level and they will close the doors. But clearly, state facilities aren't in a position to do that. Yeah, they're not allowed to close them, like I mean, they have to accept these patients coming in, unfortunately. And where do you put them, like I mean? So I suppose that is our problem, really. And the impact then, Donald, that you saw on elderly people of finding themselves in this sort of situation, you know, these the squeezed uh, corridors uh, um, side by side uh, and then down along each yeah. side of a tight corridor. What was it like for them? What did you observe? I suppose if people can imagine, I suppose... Uh, trolley after trolley with no space between the trolleys. You can imagine that now in the whole place, chock-a-block. Um, on these trolleys, now, you have no bedside locker or nowhere to put um, your clothes or or even a bottle of water or anything. You have no call bill. And you can imagine these elderly people on that. Now, some of these elderly people are coming in on ambulances from, let's say, nursing homes or from their own homes. They have their clothes on them. They're Unfortunately, I've seen them there and, and they're getting very upset that they couldn't go to the toilet. Um, they couldn't call the nurses. The nurses were too busy. Um, they couldn't change. You know what I mean? They couldn't change, they will say, in front of everybody. Like, I mean, there was people all around them. Like, I mean, there was male, female, all mixed up. Like, I mean, the whole lot. No segregation at all. And no room for screens. No room for screens. There was no screens there, Joe. I mean, I'm not saying there's no room for screens. There is. If that if that hospital just went away and purchased three or four screens, that at least if they're cha- if the elderly people are changing, or anybody's changing, or if a doctor is examining, now that's what I saw was very upsetting as well. That you'd think the doctors would have some little bit of cop on that they might bring him into an isolation room to examine him, but don't examine him there on the con- corridor, like and removing their clothes and examine him. That was very upsetting, like very upsetting for them, and for the rest of us around that to have to look at that and witness it, like yes, and. Presumably then, when they were talking to individual patients about their medical situation, yeah. everyone else could hear. Oh, you can forget about that, Joe. Like, I mean, when you're inside an emergency department like that, like, I mean, you're going to hear everybody's uh, medical condition. Even in the wards, like, you're going to hear that, like, I mean. So you can forget about that, like, about, about your, your privacy as regards your medical condition. Like, I mean, just, just ignore it, like, I mean, and you have to tell the doctor, that's it. You can't, you can't block that out from other patients. So people are in a vulnerable state when they're in the emergency department. They're clearly worried about whatever is wrong with them. And you were seeing people get very upset. 
I did really, like, I mean, and, and it brought even tears to my own eyes to see it, like, I mean, it was very upsetting because, like, that could have been your mother, my mother or father, like, I mean, whatever it was. And it was upsetting to see it, like, I mean, that um, most of those elderly people didn't have anybody with them. So they, they, their clothes and all were left at the back of the trolley. They couldn't reach them. Um, they couldn't get to the toilet. Um, they couldn't change their clothes. I saw elderly patients there going to sleep, trying to go to sleep with their clothes on and all in on the trolleys and everything. It was, it was very upsetting. Like in a minute, I suppose. But the one thing about it was, I think all the patients we all helped each other. I think, and that was that was important as well. Like I mean, when you saw someone in distress, you went over to them if you were able to go over to them and make sure that they were okay. Like yeah. Uh, and- happened to be visiting a relative in the emergency department in recent times myself and saw pretty much everything that you've talked about there. We're chatting to Donald O'Brien about his own experiences and what he saw in the emergency department and that tightness and, you know, doctors, to be fair to them, apologising to patients at times and saying, look, we're sorry that you're in these circumstances. We're sorry you're on this trolley. We will try and move you up to a ward as soon as you can mm-hmm. and it, there were circumstances though that I was aware of where you know some individuals might have got very troubling news um, about like their that. medical conditions and they ended up back on a trolley in this open and exposed corridor trying to absorb what they'd been told. That's correct Jordan I suppose look, look in my situation I suppose instead of Every time I came in, instead of going to the oncology ward, I had to go through the whole A&E process. Like, I mean, and that's, that's something I think that's what the, the HSC should look at. Uh, the other thing I think they should look at as regards the elderly people, we have a great facility there now for, for children and for young people. And, and, and you've experienced it yourself, like, I mean, going in there, like, I mean, and it's a lovely setup. Um, people don't see the whole um, situation that's going on in, in the corridors and all that. And if we could do the exact same thing for the elderly people, I think it's very, very important. Like, I mean, if we could set up a section there, especially for the elderly people. And I think if we could do that, the rest of us in between, we'll put up with it, like, for the time being, like, I mean, but yeah. for the elderly people, definitely we should do something for them. Like. I mean, there was a, an older man who had uh, come in from County Limerick and um, he was on a trolley, first of all, in the emergency department. Uh, then he was brought up to one of the wards and, and put in an alcove there and finally moved into a bed on the ward, um, I, I think having been there for well over 70 hours and, um, you know, ironically said when he got the bed and he kind of sat on the side of the bed, you know, well, the thing about this is that I think I'll be let out tomorrow. So, you know, he was going to get one night in the bed having had all that time on a trolley. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. Like, I mean, you you might spend four or five days on, on, on a trolley and eventually a bed will come available and you're brought up onto that bed. And this thing about private insurance and, 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 and that we're all in this private insurance, you could forget about that at the moment because um, there's nobody getting um, a private bed or a private room anymore. Like, I mean, it's most of the private rooms now are there for isolation and, and looking to be there for them. Yeah, okay, so we have been in touch with the UL Hospitals Group, um, letting them know, Donald, that uh, you were coming into us this morning and uh, you were going to tell um, your story and the, uh, what you saw there. And you, you've been actually in the emergency department a few times, haven't you? A few different times over the last few months. Yeah, roughly five or six times yeah. over the last mm-hmm. the last six months, say six to nine months. So, so you, you have a pretty wide picture. It's not just one period you were in there for... No, 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 it's a, it's a good wide picture, like I mean, and it's, it's the truth what I'm telling, like. Oh, of course. Uh, so anyway... Um, the, 
hospitals group response, your visual response is the emergency department at UHL is among the busiest in the country and the hospital's inpatient bed capacity of 451 beds is insufficient for the needs of the Midwest. We're currently experiencing high levels of ED presentations and it's quite a long statement. I'm not going to read it all, but they say demand for isolation facilities presents uh, an additional challenge for UHL as the hospital has only a limited number of single rooms. In addition, progression of the 96 bed block for UHL remains a major priority. That's alongside the 60 bed block under construction at the moment, which they say in this statement will open by the end of the year. And these beds will begin to address the general bed and single room isolation issues outlined above. So the 60 bed unit, will that help Donald, do you think? Um, it will help some bit in the long term, I think, not in the short term, because I was speaking out to uh, some of the management there, like in Anacodonema, in, 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 especially in Wundi there, and there's 30 beds in Wundi at the moment, like I mean, and that's a very old ward. Now they're going to actually move in from Wundi the full 30 beds into the new 60 bed unit. So that's 30 beds taken up while their uh, ward is being upgraded. Okay, then you have the oncology, uh, 13 beds at the present moment, right? And they're looking for 20 beds. Now they're going to move over into that. They're looking to move over into the. We're new looking, or has that been granted? Has been granted yet now. They're looking to move over into so, the. So the people you were talking to, are they talking about what they would like to see happen, or are they talking about what will happen? No, they're saying what will happen with the 1D is the 30 beds will move over into the 60 bed so unit. So the 60 bed unit will actually only give you a net 30 beds for, what, a period of time? We'll say, whatever length of time is going to take, we'll say for the 1D to be actually upgraded. So that might take, let's say, six months or whatever right, the case well, We're going to have be. to check with the UL Hospitals Group about that because if that's yeah. the case, I'd want to hear what they have to say. And, and then you're saying that the, the oncology team are looking to... To increase the capacity from 13 beds to 20 beds. So now, of into, course... Into, the same, into this 60-bed unit? Into the 60-bed unit. But their, their 13 beds then will be made available, I suppose, I presume, for some other okay. section, probably. Okay. Because obviously what we've been hearing non-stop from UHL is that the 60-bed unit is the first step towards increasing the capacity, alongside recruitment and other things. It is, but you see, when you look at it at the present moment, there's very little recruitment going on. And, and that's why I'm saying to community, why is it going on? I, and I was asking the questions, like, why aren't they being recruited? And it appears that, that this is what's going to happen. And it's going to have to happen, Joe, because I was inside there in, in, in 4C and it was an absolute disgrace. Like, I mean, the, the bathroom, they had permanent stains on, on the sanitary wear and on the tiles. Now, you wouldn't put an animal into that, that, in, into that bathroom. I was lying on the bed above in, 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 in 1D. And I was sitting on the bed. And next thing, all of a sudden, this thing came down on top of the bed. I said, Mother of God, what was that? A piece of the ceiling and a piece of the light fit and falling down off it. So on you? Yeah. On, on your bed? It fell down onto the bed. Now, it was only a small piece, Joel. Like, I mean, so I'm not going to, I didn't, I didn't, I just mentioned it to him. Like, I mean, I didn't want to make a complaint about it to something small. Um, but at the same time, one D needs to be actually completely upgraded. But the only thing is that the hospital authorities will say, look, what we have available at the moment is fit for purpose and it is fit for use by patients and staff. Uh, it is to a certain, but not in 2020, Joe. You know what I mean? We, look, we, we, and like, I don't blame the hospitals for what has been all along for not doing up these, these wards because if they, if they close down a ward in order to upgrade it, you have less beds, less bed capacity. So I can see that point. So I think what's going to happen now is once this 60 bed comes on board, um, at least now you can start actually upgrading the other wards, but you're going to have a problem. You won't exactly have 60 beds next September or October. 
you're going to have less. You might have 30 right, well, or 40. We're going to have to get on to them right? that, because that's not what they're saying publicly. So we'll, we'll yeah. have to see. And then the 96 bed unit, of course, that is a longer term project. It's a longer um, term. It's project, three or four years um, on the line. But, yeah. the, but the bottom line is the numbers in there and the numbers on trolleys. Um, one other question for you, Donal O'Brien. As a lay person, but as someone who's experienced the facilities, what do you think might happen if there were, God forbid, an outbreak of COVID-19 coronavirus? Well, first of all, anyway, in this country, I do believe that we're not prepared for anything like in a major emergency. Like I mean, um, I suppose I saw it inside there, a witness inside there, where when we came to our, our capacity of, of trolleys, there's a certain number of trolleys inside there, eventually management had to say, like, OK, let's open up the surgical day ward, which shouldn't be opened up, and let's put some of the beds in there in order to provide the trolleys for the ambulances coming in. Because if the trolleys are not available for the ambulances coming in, they can't get back out on the road. So I don't believe that we're actually ready for any coronavirus, for any major incident even in, in Shannon Airport. We're not ready. Even though that there is an emergency plan we keep hearing about and apparently they test that plan from time to time. They don't, Joe. Well, they do My know. apologies, they do. No, no, they don't, Joe. No, they no do. not in Limerick now, Joe. Uh, in fairness now, I've watched it around the other country. They're inclined to do it in other countries. There have been, there have, they have done the plan because I remember here on, on the show we've talked about it and we've warned people that yeah. it was underway. So, and, and to a small degree, Joe, well, but they haven't okay. brought in all the... They haven't brought all the organisations together. Yeah, they say they, they have, no, right? fairness, can, Donald. Yeah, they I say disagree they have. with it. Well, you're trying to disagree, right. but that's but what they say. You, you mentioned there, are we, are we actually ready for, for, for... We're not ready. And that's the gospel too. We're not actually ready for it, like you know I mean. Unfortunately, we haven't got the bed capacity. Um, uh, you mentioned there this morning, there you, you were talking about, are we... You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Is this are we overreacting with this virus? Like I mean, we possibly are overreacting, and I think the minister overreacted as girls with the IRFU. Like I mean, I think he should have gone to them first of all, spoke to them, and then came out and made and made a decision on it. Okay. Um, because they're not they're not chicken. Like when we had the um, we, we had the foot and mouth disease, at least they were they were chicken at airports and ports, uh, and they were actually actually spraying trucks and chicken people. They're not doing that at the present moment. And why why blocked in the the, the, the other people? people coming in because they're already coming in anyway like all right well don o'brien thank you very much for telling us about your own direct experience and what you saw in the ed at uhl over a period of uh, months uh, we hope that you continue to have good health and no we're glad to see uh, that you've been making progress on that after your own diagnosis and uh, treatment and thanks again for reigniting the debate this morning it's very important to keep it on the agenda for listeners but, but obviously for our politicians too if they ever get around to farming a no thank, thank you, John. Good to see you. Call Limerick today now on 461995.